Hello and thank you for listening to episode 426 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is another interview show from back in our 80s picture house days. And this one, as you may have already noticed from the title, was when we chatted with Barbara Crampton. Tom, this was September 2013. How about that? Oh my God. It was 2013. 2013. So we're pushing nine years on this one. We are pushing nine years. Oh God. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Because we started 80s Pitch House in June 2012. This was episode 60, and it was already the 16th interview show that we'd done. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't be too surprised because, you know, that was 2013, 2014 was when, like, you know, we had a real rush on interviews. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's always going to be one of those two years, but my God, <laughs> it's bad. And hopefully everybody listened to the February Decade of Decadence show where we talked about Chopping Mal and we did say at the end of that show, oh, it'd be good to release a show. You know, either we've got Barbara Crampton and we've got Kelly Maroney shows in the can that we recorded in September last year. We'd previously released our interview show with the director of that film, Jim Minorski. Uh I was just looking at the show that we did with Kelly Maroney, mate. That was episode 42. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was a, a lot earlier than uh, Barbara Crampton. So we will we will be releasing the Kelly Maroney show pretty soon as well. So then mm. so then everybody's got, you've got Jim Winorski, you've got Barbara Crampton, you've got Kelly Maroney, and then you've got me and Tom as well talking about Choppy Mile. So that's, um, that sort of puts that bit to one side. We've still got so many interviews to release that we recorded back in 80s Picture We did so many. (laughs) We did so many. I mean, again, people listening to this, if you haven't listened to any of our, uh, what I jokingly call, remastered interview shows, because all that means is me and Tom just putting a new uh, intro at the beginning of it (laughs) and then releasing the show as it was. So it's going to sound a bit different. We had different um, equipment back then. We were both a little bit younger. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah so it'll all sound a bit different but we're gonna release it as was barbara again mate wasn't she she's one of those you know we've had interview guests in the past you know we've been doing this nearly 10 years now and you and we've talked before oh i wonder if they're going to be okay you don't know how an interview guest is going to be i think barbara crampton's one of them where you just know she's going to be lovely before you even talk to her don't you yeah absolutely yeah and, and she she definitely didn't let us down so, yes, and, and since, of course, uh, we spoke to her like quite the career revival. Yes, definitely. Yeah, she's um, she's been in some really bloody good films lately as well. She's getting busy again, which is always good. Very, yeah. yeah it's always nice to see her on screen. Uh, so shall we bugger off, mate? Let the listeners travel back with us to September 2013. When yes, we had yes. It. <laughs> so there you go. Here's me, Tom and Barbara Crampton. Hi, everyone. This is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to the 80s Picture House. Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of the 80s Picture House and the 16th of our In Conversation With series. I'm Dave, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Tom. Hello. Uh, and today, oh, we're absolutely delighted uh, to be chatting to a lady whose career spans not only from the 1980s, but carries right through to starring in the movie uh, that I watched at the cinema over here in the UK just a few weeks ago. Uh, we are so, so pleased to be in conversation with Barbara Crampton. Hello, Barbara. Hello, guys. Hello. Oh, wow. Th- thank you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. 
Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, our pleasure. Definitely our pleasure. Uh, well, let's get this started. I'm sure, well, myself and Tom and the listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your early life. I know you were born uh, in Long Island, New York. You were raised in Vermont. Uh, what I'd like yes. to know is, what what's there these stories about you, you traveled the country with a carnival? Is that right? Um, yes, my dad was a concessionaire with fairs and carnivals, and he had about five or six games. And we would travel the countryside of the United States and every week during the summer go to a new place and open up our little shop and um, people would play games and win stuffed animals. And uh, it was a great lot of fun. I, I was able to ride all the rides at the carnivals and fairs for free and people would give me French fries and hot dogs <laughs> and candy. And I got to take naps, sleeping in boxes with lots of stuffed animals. And it was really a lot of fun. Did you travel all over the U.S. doing that? Uh, you know, what they do usually is have a show books themselves into maybe um, an area that's a few states. So mm. mostly we travel through Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Virginia. And then sometimes um, when it got colder, my dad would go down to Florida and Virginia. And by that time, we had to be back in school. Um, occasionally, we did come out to California as well and just go up and down the coast in the summers so you know it was it was just a little bit of everywhere mm -hmm. and how how did a girl traveling like that with a carnival get into acting oh well you know um i would probably say that my dad influenced me a lot because they called him the best mic man in the business he was a real big showman and very clever and interesting and a great story and joke teller. And he would be able to encourage people to come to his games more than other people. He could really draw a crowd and he loved people and he loved to entertain. And uh, he, he was just a great, a great father to grow up with and, and just so much fun. And um, so perhaps because of his personality, that's what first uh, made me think that I wanted to become an actress and entertain others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then how did you actually get into the business? I know um, I was looking at your first IMDb credit. You started in TV. Is it is it right? You, your first acting one was in Days of Our Lives? Yes. Um, you know, I always wanted to be an actress probably from the time I was maybe nine or ten, um, growing up in the fairs and carnivals. And then uh, I started in grammar school being in plays and then in high school I became really much more interested in it and I went to college for theater and got a degree in theater and actually thought that's what I was going to do so I moved to New York City for about a year and did a few plays and then decided that it was really difficult to make money and survive in New York City just working in theater and I was doing a lot of waitressing so I just kind of picked up and went with a girlfriend and we drove out to California and I think it was my first audition in California um, and it was four days of our lives and I actually got the part so that was you know really good luck and prompted me to want to stay a little bit longer I did that show for about a year and then I just started working you know like every other working actress um, a part here, a part there, you know, a few parts a year 
you would be able to pay your rent and your food. And, you know, it just kept building from there. And then I did some horror movies. Uh, and then sometimes I would go back to soap operas. I had quite a big career in four different soap operas for a number of years, probably 12 years total. And then interspersed with that doing movies when I was in between a soap opera role. What was it like um, being in front of the camera for the first time? Can you remember that feeling? Oh, horrible. Just really, uh, I can remember my first, you know, I had done a lot of plays in school and, and in college and, and directed some plays in school and worked behind the scenes in the costume shop and stagecraft and uh, lighting and all of that and been an actress. And then it, it was as if I was frozen my first day on camera. I had no experience on camera previous to this. And I got the job on Days of Our Lives, and my first day, my line was, Hi, I'm your cousin, Trista, from Colorado. And it was just a few lines, and I must have said it to myself in my dressing room 985-plus times. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember, and I thought, I'm going to forget. I mean, I was used to memorizing, you know, scads of dialogue with with plays, and I just I thought, I'm going to forget. I'm going to you know, it's going to be horrible. They're going to fire me. It's just going to be, and, you know, so finally when I got out there at the end of the day, after being there maybe eight hours, I said the line and I thought to myself, oh, that's it. It's over. It came out. <laughs> I said it correctly. And I think I did okay. And nobody's firing me. So I think I can come back tomorrow. And it was just a matter of getting used to being on camera. And actually the nice thing now realizing uh, you, you don't stop in the middle of a play and say, oops, that wasn't my line, or wait a minute, let's go back. <laughs> but you're filming something on camera, you can you can just cut it yourself if you don't like your performance, or you can ask the director to do it again, or if you fumble a line, you can um, recoup and do it again. So actually, probably has made me more of a lazy actor <laughs> working on, on film now which I've done for the last like 30 years. I haven't, I haven't done a play in a very, very, very long time. I think it's great that you still know that line too. I know, right? <laughs> well, I'll never forget. I was, just, I tortured myself as, as we all do. We torture ourselves more than the situation really probably calls for, but I definitely tortured myself. <laughs> um, then of course you moved on to movies. and I'm going to hand it over to Tom to, mm -hmm. to go onto the movie side. Sure. Yes. Of course, your first uh, big screen appearance was in Body Double. And how was it working with Brian De Palma, such a legendary director? Uh, I don't. Was that my first screen appearance? Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's movies. Yeah, it's got. Uh, it was. Yeah. Well, it's funny working with him. You know, it was rather a small part. Um, actually, it was bigger when I was cast. I had three scenes: the one scene that's that's in the movie, and then two other scenes where I'm having one where I'm having a fight with Craig Watson's character. And then he comes back and he does try to make up with me, you know, after he sees me. And um, those two scenes were cut the day before. And I got a call from my agent and he said, um, you know, they've cut every scene except for the one that you're having sex with another guy in the movie. Uh, what do you want to do? And I thought, geez, it's Brian De Palma. I should do it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll probably get another chance to work with him. We'll, we'll have great chemistry and camaraderie and he'll remember me and he'll use me again. And I talked myself into doing it. And of course it never happened. 
Um, I was at a restaurant once a few years ago and I was having lunch with my girlfriend and he came by the table and sort of knocked on the table with his hand and said, hi. And I said, oh, Brian, hi, how are you? And then I recounted the story to him. And I said, well, I'm really surprised you remembered me because I was only on your set for one day, but this is why I did that movie. And hey, what about hiring me again? And he laughed and he said, okay, I'm definitely going to put you in the next thing that I do. And so that hasn't happened either. Whatever. (laughs) We all have a lot of stories like that. And then you went on to Fraternity Vacation, which was the following year. Yeah. um, That was a, a rather fun role. You know, I don't know if you guys have the same thing in the UK, but here we have something called Spring Break and all the kids leave for a week and they go on a holiday. And in California, a lot of people go to Palm Springs and that's where we shot the movie. And um, so it's sort of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that much out of college yet, so um, I just felt like I re- was really on spring break. <laughs> was, but uh, we had a lot of fun, you know, um, out in the middle of the street and drinking and carrying on. And, um, of course, it was nothing like that recent movie that came out, Spring Breakers. Uh, I don't think we could have gotten away with what, what they did um, in that movie. Um, we had our own fun. And... Uh, um, who was one of my co-stars on in Fraternity Vacation has gone on to have quite a great career. Um, and now I'm blanking on his name. Um, Susan Sarandon's ex-husband. Tim Robbins. He and I were paired up in the movie together. And um, that was one of the earliest things that he had ever done. And I, I can remember being on the set and, he was playing the guitar and singing like in between scenes and he was very charismatic and uh, had a really interesting way about him, very commanding way. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, he's such a good actor. I, I hope somebody notices him because he's really got something. Mm-hmm. And I guess they did. <laughs> of course, I couldn't remember his name, so whatever. <laughs> uh, that says more about me and my memory. <laughs> also in 1985 now I'm sure you've talked so many times about this film but we've we've got to talk about Reanimator and it's yeah. it's become such an iconic film and it's held in such high regard especially you know with fans of the horror genre and the fans you know of not the horror genre because it's such a great movie so yeah. tell us whatever you can about the making of, the, of that film you know what what stories have you got to tell from being on there well you know originally I was not the girl that was going to play Meg, they they had had auditions, and I don't know if I just didn't hear about it or they just weren't interested in seeing me at the beginning of the readings for the part. But there was another gal who had the role, and then her mother got a hold of the script and read it and said, no, you can't do this because of that special scene. And so they held auditions again, and um, I read the script, and I thought it was really funny and interesting and dark and quirky and of course you know that scene didn't scare me or else I wouldn't have been able to do it mm-hmm. um and when I got to the auditions I didn't realize but Jeffrey and Bruce were already cast in the roles um and they kept pairing me up with them um and there was a few other girls there too and I I just kept reading with them and thinking okay this is great I think I think those guys are really good too I hope they get the parts <laughs> 
course, they were, you know, they were just sort of testing me out. Um, so I got the role and for some reason I had the biggest living room of everybody. So, uh, Stuart being from the theater primarily, and this was his first movie that he had ever shot. Um, he really wanted to do a lot of rehearsal and you don't often get a lot of rehearsal for film and television. And so I offered up my living room and I said, well, we're not shooting for three weeks. Why don't you guys come over and, you know, we'll rehearse. Well, we rehearsed for the next three weeks almost every day in my living room for like four hours a day. And we really got to know one another very well and just, you know, tore those scenes apart and went really went at them. And we had so much fun together. I think the chemistry of all of us really added to the wealth of the movie and why perhaps the movies remembered. I think it's very well written and 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 um, certainly Jeffrey has made uh, an iconic character out of that mm-hmm. part that he played. Um, and the movie holds up because of the humor and the darkness and the grizzliness of it. Um, but I also think when you have really good chemistry and camaraderie, it, it, it transfers on screen. You know, you... You watch individual performances, but you also watch the energy that's being passed between the players. And you can make that much more real and, and visceral if you have some sort of um, relationship with others. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why I think when you watch television shows, sometimes they get better as they go on um, because people get to know one another. They become like a family and, you know, they, they interact with one another so well. So that's a tangible thing that you can really feel and doesn't happen unless people are really connected. So I think, you know, certainly those elements added to the longevity and why people love reanimators. It's just, you know, it's great, good fun and over the top. And, and you know, again, I'll say Jeffrey's performance is just spectacular. It's, you know, one of the, usually on lists I see, it's one of the top 10 memorable horror movie icons that you remember you know oh yeah definitely yeah and without him it would have been a different movie i think with reanimator it always gets me as well i mean we've asked this to other people that we've had on the on the show is there any sense on the set at the time that this could be a film that will have the longevity that it's had um i don't think so uh i think you know when the movie when we're shooting the movie we thought it was fun and funny and great but and you always think that because you always want to be positive so everything I work on you know you think that but I don't think we had a sense of how good it was until maybe really maybe 25 years ago <laughs> so when the movie first came out we did get some very nice reviews from Pauline Kael um, and from Roger Ebert and people like that, that had a great reputation. But I'm not sure, sh- you know, and the horror community was a little smaller back then. Um, and so I don't think we really got the sense of it being the cult classic it has become until it started to become the cult classic, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years later. Um, and I think that happens with certain horror movies. Um I'm not sure everybody thought Evil Dead was as cool as it was when it first came out either. Um, So I think these movies tend to 
take on the life that they have given the fans and what they say about it and talk about it. And certainly the horror fans are probably one of the most voracious group of cinephiles that I've ever encountered. Mm -hmm. Um, So my answer is no, we didn't know. We didn't know at the time. Um, and it and it keeps growing, and I keep meeting people when I go to conventions, or I get interviewed by people like you, and they say, "Wow, this reanimator is just." Let's talk about that. I mean, you know, it's been almost thirty years. People still yeah. want to talk. About it. So, thank God. I mean, I just feel so blessed to have been a part of a movie that has meant so much to so many people. It's really gratifying. What was it like the first time that you saw it on the big screen? That was so long ago. <laughs> I can tell you what I thought about your next because that was just a couple of years ago. But I don't know. Uh, 30 years ago, I don't really have a memory of it other than just thinking. I'm sure that I thought just me being in a movie on a big screen was cool. And um, I was, you know, lucky enough to have that opportunity. Um yeah, and I, I, I think it's cooler now when I see it on the big screen. You know, sometimes they have screenings in Los Angeles, and they'll do collections of movies. Or we have the new Beverly Cinema where they, they, they screen favorite movies sometimes. And recently, I went down for a showing of Reanimator from Beyond, and you know, the crowd has probably seen the movie ten or twenty times, and so they all know everything that's going to happen, and they're all cheering, and it's just, it's, I, I, I have fonder memories of seeing it now on the big screen than I did back then. And of course, uh, you would go on to work quite a few times with Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Combs, and we'll, we'll touch on that as we, as we go through this. Um, I'd like to know, there was after this, you did um, The Prince of Bel-Air, which is a TV movie. So how difficult is it as an actor to swap from being a character in a horror movie with all these outrageous storylines and effects going on and practical effects to working on something a bit more realistic. How do you, how do you do that as an actor? Oh, I, I think it's just, you know, it's like anything, it's just a part and, um, you know, you have to believe the situation that you're in. So whatever it is, you can make it up in your body and in your brain and use whatever tools you have to make whatever situation you're in feel real and in the moment. So, um, it's actually fun to go from one thing to the next and to do different roles and play different things. I mean, you know, people are multidimensional. We're not one thing. I, you know, I don't only like coffee ice cream. I like different ice creams. I, you know, like cherry Garcia ice cream. I like chocolate. I, you know, sometimes I don't want ice cream. I want French fries for a snack. I, um, or a treat. So, you know, as a person or as an artist, I think it's really fun to just, stretch yourself and and use different muscles and and perhaps do different roles that you know people wouldn't ordinarily see you as um so i think it's easy for me i mean i just like playing different kinds of roles and different people so after um prince of bel-air the tv movie you're in a chopping mall with uh kelly maroney who we had on the show uh a few months mm-hmm. back how was uh i was working on that it's got not quite as a cult following as reanimator but it's up there 
Yeah, well, Kelly's quite a good friend of mine, and we, we actually met on that movie, and we've been friends for a very, very long time. She's a dear, dear, wonderful girl. Um, that was fun. Uh, we were up all night in a mall, and that that mall, it's the Sherman Oaks Galleria, has been used in, in many different uh, movies. If you Google that, you'll maybe like 10 or 12 different movies will come up. Um, and we were all, you know, young people, and um, that movie was your typical slasher movie with, you know, a lot of humor, and um, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff were in it, and um, Dick Miller, so, you know, we had some iconic people to work with, and that was really wonderful, and Jim Wynorski, um was our director, and I think he's made something like 300 movies under his names and his own name. Um, and we all got along great. I, I think that's one of his movies. That's one of the, the, the favorite ones that he's ever made um, for people that love his movies. Um, the one he's remembered for, and certainly for Kelly, I think that's a movie everybody um, feels like was a, a great role for her. Um and it's always fun to die in a movie. <laughs> um, so when I got to have a great death scene in it, uh, in Chopping Mall, and, and be on fire, of course, I didn't do that particular part of uh, the scene. You know, when I was on fire, we had a stunt woman for that. But um, playing a valley girl and um, sort of just you know, young and immature and party girl. And maybe that's where I was at the time too. Um, that, that was, that was fun. That was a fun uh, role to play. Um, originally that movie was called uh, something else, robots or to call them. It was called something else. Maybe it was robot. Marketing department didn't think that was going to sell very well. So they came up with Chopping Mall, and I think the marketing of that movie is kind of more famous than the movie, even. <laughs> Nobody gets chopped in the movie. They probably should have, because the marketing and the poster is something you remember, and it's catchy. Um, but nobody gets chopped, and actually, that always bothered me. <laughs> Somebody should have gotten chopped. Um, I think they're leasing it, too. They're doing a new print of it, and they're re-releasing it in this country um, on selected theaters uh, just before Halloween. So we're all looking forward to seeing that again. Oh, that would be great, because I'm on record as saying that's one of my favorite movies. I love that film. Yeah. I, it's, it's kind of silly fun, isn't it? I guess that's why people like it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of people I... tell me they get stoned when they watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good way to watch it, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and you stayed in the horror genre as well, you, and you sort of reunited with Stuart Gordon and, and Jeffrey Coombs, and you were in um, From Beyond again, another another great film. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it was you know, we all just got along so well, and um, Stuart sort of wanted to turn the tables on all of us a little bit and, and have me more in the protagonist role. And um, so, you know, hence I got the part of Catherine McMichaels. And he also wanted to make a horror movie that wasn't comedic at all. 
Um, he wanted it to be much more serious. And he's really, you know, at the time was into a lot of monsters and gags and things like that. So um, that's where From Beyond came from. And we were lucky enough to also be working with Charlie Band um, in the beginning days of his career in the Empire Picture mm-hmm. Days. So um, he ha- and his father, Albert Band, had made a lot of movies in Italy. And so we went over to Italy to make that movie at the old Dino De Laurentiis Studios and got a quite good deal on working there. Um, I think Dino had just gone bankrupt or something, and his studios were not heated because they tore out all the heating elements and sold them to make money to pay the bank. So it was really cold. (laughs) We were shooting in March and April in Rome, and 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 I think it was the first day of filming it snowed and it hardly ever snows in Rome, but it snowed on the first day of filming. So our first day we, everybody was about two hours late. Um, and it was the first time I had ever been to Europe, uh, was working on that movie. So being an actor and, and flying around and doing movies, sometimes it takes you to great locations. Um, that was a a bonus of doing that movie and uh, a lot of special effects, People that worked on it went on to do like major big things and have amazing careers. Uh, that was a very special effects heavy, heavy show. And one of the things that I remember specifically for me working on that movie is I had to be drenched in slime a lot. And that was the property that came out when you were in the From Beyond and the slime was made of methyl cellulose, which is the thickener for McDonald's milk. <laughs> it's really cold. <laughs> and I had to have it all over me. Um, Stuart also took me shopping for my for my leather outfit because um, they couldn't find one that they liked. So he and I went to a place in Los Angeles called the Pleasure Chest and I tried on a lot of things for him. And um, We had a a good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very good friends with his wife, so um, there was no issue there. But uh, uh, we we had a lot of fun, and um, and you know, working with Jeffrey is just always an amazing experience. You never know what he's going to say, what he's going to do. He's definitely a wild card actor, um, but thrilling to work with him. And and uh, I hope someday we get to work together again it's been quite a long time since we haven't yeah from after from beyond let's go to 1988 uh you started appearing in the young and the restless now this is a series you've appeared in it sporadically right through until 2007 mm-hmm. right well i when i got the initial part it was supposed to be a three-month character and i came on the show and i had to be somewhat crazy and 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 threatened to kill one of the lead beloved characters. And so I came on for my three-month stint, and then they decided they liked the character, and they asked me to stay for another year. So I signed a contract for a year, and after that, they asked me to sign another contract for two years or three years. I did that, and then I signed another contract for two years. So I was a regular character on that show and really didn't do anything else for about six years. And... um 
it's really wonderful as an actor to have a regular job. I mean, I had been enjoying, you know, doing movies and doing a, my little stint on um, um, Days of Our Lives and doing movies of the week and once in a while doing a commercial. Um, and there was a lot of freedom in that. But when they offered me the part in Young and the Restless and it kept going and going, uh, I kept saying yes because I was putting money in the bank and it was really a wonderful time for me to have like a real life and have a regular job where I wasn't worried about money all the time. Um, even actors worry about money. We don't make as much money as people think we do. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was, uh, a big bonus for me at the time. And also was great, a wonderful character. Um, I, you know, I got the part and they said, she's crazy, but they didn't really elaborate on that. So I went and interviewed, uh, three different psychiatrists and, posed some storylines to them that were going on and said, you know, I need to know more about my character and what's wrong with her and perhaps what kind of medication would she be on? So um, the consensus was that I probably had a borderline personality with bouts of psychosis. So that's what I played. And then that's what I told the writers that I was doing. So then they, they started writing for me and, and, and playing more into that. And um, she was a real uh, wonderful character crazy outrageous she wore crazy clothes she was devious and mischievous and you know a lot of fun to play her uh, well, and, and, and then they kept calling me back so you said i kept playing it till 2007 so i was off the show and then i would do other things but then they kept calling me to make appearances so uh i got to revisit that character for a long time after oh, excellent yeah mm. Uh, well, let's bring things uh, right up to date with your next. It was um, it's been out as for a few well month or so in the, in the UK as well as the US. Um, Dave, mm. you've seen it, haven't you? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, loved yeah. It. I, unfortunately, I missed it. One of our listeners in America, he saw he's seen it twice. He fell in love with it, Jeremy Lockhart. Um, so tell us a bit about it and how uh, you got involved with it. Well, you know, I live in San Francisco, actually, just north of San Francisco in Marin County now, and I've lived up here for about ten years. I and you know, about 10 years ago, my I have two children, they're 10 and 12. Um, I moved up here with my husband and I started having kids and I sort of maybe thought I wasn't going to work so much anymore. So I was very focused on my children and my family and volunteering at my children's school and I became a gardener and now I help teach garden classes at their elementary school. Um, and this call for your next in 2011 came out of the blue. I was skiing with my family on a holiday in Tahoe and I got the call from my agent that they wanted to offer me the part of the matriarch matriarch in this movie this horror movie and I thought to myself well who are these people I don't know them um do I match up with the children who are the children don't they want to see me nobody's seen me in a movie in quite a long time don't they want to have a conversation with me and he said no they don't they just want to offer it to you and I just was flabbergasted by that and I couldn't quite wrap my head around it and after a couple of days you know going back and forth with, with my agent he said well do you want the part or not and I said well uh, let me read the script so I read it and it was really good and fun and about the dynamics of a family re- relationship and so I thought okay I guess I'll come out of semi-retirement and I'll do this movie and um I went to Missouri and met everybody, you know, two days before we started filming. Um, And all of them are, 
you know how the young up and comers in the genre and already making names for themselves, Ty West and Adam Wingard and Simon Baird and Amy Simitz and Joe Swanberg, they all know one another. They've worked together uh, many times and um, they hired Sharni Vinson. You know, she was, she didn't know anybody and she was, you know, the lead and, you know, somewhat of the outsider. And so I felt that way too. And the guy who played my husband, Rob Moran, um, we felt that way. Um, they also had, you know, one of my new best friends, AJ Bowen was in the cast and they all worked together. Um, and they all enveloped us and took us in and, uh, made us feel so comfortable. And, um, the nice thing about working on this movie was that there's so many people that know so much about movies and work on movies in, in different aspects as directors and as actors, um, and filmmakers themselves and, and filmmakers playing actors in the movie that there was a lot of really good ideas being thrown around. Um, so on the set, you, you felt like, um, there were other people that, um, you could really lean on and, and look to, to understand how a scene could be played or, um, you know, what, what, what some aspects of the scene, um, maybe that you didn't think about, uh, maybe they thought about and, and brought to the table. So it was, uh, it was really a wonderfully creative set. And Simon, the writers just, you know, wrote a, a really funny, interesting story about, you know, what happens to these people and, if you haven't seen it, you know, at the end, there's sort of a twist and, you know, why, why it's all happening. And it's really interesting. Um, and he was on the set behind the camera pretty much the whole time. And if you ever felt like, you know, this line is kind of phony or I don't know, I'm feeling like in this situation, I might say this, you know, we would talk to him about it and he would say, okay, let's change it to this or let's change it to that. And, and Adam Wingard is so creative and so he's got, you know, he's just a keen observer and sees right through you. And if, if anything's happening, that's not right. He's right there saying, you know, let's try it this way. Or let's try it that way. It was just really a fun set to work on. I'm very fast. Everybody worked really fast. Um, so it was very exciting for me. I had the best time I've had in a long time. Um, you know, being a mom is really hard and making movies is really fun. So um, it made me feel like I want to do some more acting. And um, I've done a little bit uh, since then and have a, a few projects in development and a couple of that I might be able to talk about soon. Um, it's all about, you know, money and, and funding mm -hmm. and things like that. But um, I think I, I might be back. So I'm really happy uh, to, you know, come back with a movie like this that the critics and the audiences are really loving and, and are surprised by. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely love the film. I thought you were fantastic in it. And I was watching it and I thought, oh, my God, how like emotionally drained must you be in that whole dinner scene? The, the You know, the without giving too much away for the people that haven't seen it, but the whole level of emotion that you had to keep up all the way through that, I thought you were absolutely brilliant in it. And I would urge yeah. anybody that hasn't seen it to go and watch the film. Thank you. We just, um, I went to LA yesterday and we did um, some interviews for the new DVD extra that's coming out. And we did commentary. We watched the movie and did the commentary. And I'm not sure what the date is, but it's not too far off. So um, you'll be able to, buy it at your nearby store or rent it very soon. Oh, definitely be buying that one. Definitely. <laughs>
Uh, well, listen, Barbara, I know that you're pushed for time and we do thank you so much for joining us today. Um, be before you go, how can people follow you online and keep up to date with everything that you're doing? Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, this world of social media is pretty amazing. I, I was introduced to it by Simon Barrett at working on your next. He said, you know, nobody emails anymore and they don't call. <laughs> the only way we can keep in touch with you is if you're on Facebook and Twitter. So you must join. And I obediently followed and you can follow me now um, on at Barbara Crampton on Twitter and uh, friend me on Facebook. And we'll put links to both of those up in the podcast notes for this episode. And please keep, keep us updated on all the projects that you've got upcoming and we'll happily help to promote them for you. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate that. That's fine. And thank you again, Barbara, for joining us. It's been great. Take care, you guys. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, another great interview there, Dave. Uh, nice return for us. Yeah, after... Um, I think it's been a month now since we've recorded anything. I think it was fantastic that we... We kick off with uh, with Barbara Crampton. Oh, Barbara Crampton and uh, a big, another little landmark, episode 60. Yes, we're creeping up through the episodes now. We're in our 60s. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's safe, to, it's safe to say, isn't it, we've got, we've, since we had our break, we've, uh, we've got quite a lot planned. We're going to be uh, quite busy from now on again. Yep, yeah, we've got some great interviews coming up as to look forward to and obviously every now and again we may record a regular show so <laughs> <laughs> they're getting rarer and rarer at the moment that's for sure uh, I do want to say though I, I mentioned it as we were talking to Barbara then if you haven't seen your next um, obviously watch it it's coming out on DVD soon um, so yeah I, on I, did, I did plan to but it just never got to it never got to it and it wasn't really out my uh, cinemas in the, in the Norwich area for long unfortunately so I think it was gone within two weeks so I never really had a much of a chance so yeah it was the same here really they didn't give it the run that it deserved you know there's you get films that come on at the cinema on the run for a month sometimes yeah you just can't and, get rid of them yeah that's it and I would have quite happily gone and seen your next twice again like you said with Jeremy in America he went he went a couple of yeah. times to watch it and I would happily have watched it again at the cinema um, and from what I hear about it, it's a real cinema sort of experience. You, you know, it's, it's one of those ones, you know, it's, it pays to see it with a group of people. So, Oh, most definitely, yeah. And it it's, did have that whole throwback to, um, like, 80s slasher movies in a lot of places too, you know. it's um, Without giving too many, uh, too many things mm. away. I don't want to give spoilers away, obviously, but um, I don't think I've seen so many things happen with an axe since I have um, with films from the 1980s. I loved it. A definite buyer for me. As soon as that comes out, I'm going to have to buy it. Excellent, excellent. As will I, just blindly on just good word, basically. So. <laughs> um, well, we heard Barbara um, say how people can follow her on Facebook and Twitter. And again, we'll put it into the podcast notes for this episode. Um, but people that want to keep in touch with what we do, Tom, do you want to give them all the details? Yes, of course. Our website is 80spicturehouse.co.uk. You can Email us either by the contact form on that website or our address is contact at 80spicturehouse.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at 80spicturehouse and our Facebook is facebook.com forward slash 80spicturehouse. Right, and at time of recording, I know we're going to be recording the next episode in three days and that will yes. be... We're back with another in conversation with, so keep those iTunes yes, subscriptions a bit active. Of a, a bit, 
a bit of a different in conversation with as well. Certainly is. Our 17th one will be slightly different to to the previous 16. That's uh, that's all we'll say so far. <laughs> oh, but thanks for listening. And again, thank you to uh, to Barbara for joining us. And we'll see you again soon. <laughs>